Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Do you all remember the television show called Extreme Makeover? Now, I'm not talking about the house, right? That was real popular. But I'm talking about the extreme makeover for people. Do you guys remember that television show? Now, I know that the younger group are like, I don't remember. Because it was, it was a while back. But, but think about it, right? This is a show. This would be a show. Uh, uh, the extreme makeover is about people who are not happy with the way they looked. Do you guys remember that? They were not happy. And, and what they would do is they would look in the mirror and they go, man, my nose is too big. My ears flop down. You know, my teeth are crooked. Whatever it might be, right? And so, and so they, they would go to the show and say, I want to change, right? And so what would, they would do is they would take and they would, they would film all of these guys. And what the TV show promised is they said, hey, if you come to us, we're going to give you an extreme. Now, it wasn't just like, hey, my, I, I just need a few little things touched up. It was extreme. Okay? This is the person whose nose was like, you know what I'm saying. But, but the TV, um, it promised that the people would have an extreme makeover. Right? And that they would look better and then, and that would build confidence and they would feel better. And the process was not, I mean, for us, it was, it was 30 minutes, maybe an hour. I don't remember. It's like, wow, in an hour you went from that to that. And they'd have this great reveal. But you guys know the process was a long time, wasn't it? They'd show them. Does anybody remember or am I just? Yeah, okay. So they'd show them in the bed with bandages and everything. And how do I look? And all of this stuff. Now, I know what some of you feel like. You feel like you need an extreme makeover today. Okay, there you go. It's It's been a long two years, has it not? And if the show came in and said, hey, how many of you want? I'm in. I don't care what it takes. I'm in. And some of you need, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Do you realize that there are many examples in the Bible, guys, of Jesus actually performing an extreme makeover? And you're going, no, 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 listen, listen. The big difference is, guys, is that Jesus wasn't concerned about how big a person's nose was or how straight their teeth were. He was concerned about what was in the inside. Listen to me. My Jesus is concerned what's in the inside of you. That's what counts. That's what counts. So when Jesus, guys, does an extreme makeover, we must realize it is from the inside out. The the theological term we use, in a sense, is transformation. I'm transformed from the inside out. Why is that important? Well, give me just 20 seconds, because a lot of times we think Christianity is behavior modification, okay? I modified my behavior to look and act and speak like a Christian, when in reality, when Jesus said we must be born again, it is the Spirit of God transforming us from the inside out, And what takes place after this transformation is all the works that we do because we love Jesus. That's the works. Why do you do, why do I show up and hand out cards? I love Jesus. Now, the journey from being born again to 
sanctification to glorification when we die, that's a long journey. It's a process of a continuing, it's continuing to love. Because love is a choice, is it not? We often feel like love is what we see in Hollywood. You know, two people running in the beach with the music behind them. Dun, dun, you know, just, and we think that's love. That's love, that's feelings. But really what love is, is love is a choice when you get up and say, I'm going to. I'm going to. Love. Our Bible lesson today, if you're taking note, listen to me, is about one of the people who received an extreme makeover from Jesus. You go, wait a minute, Ben. Wait, 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 wait. What are you, what are you talking about? Okay, so here's what you need to put on your thinking caps, okay? Okay. In our text today, we discover that Jesus is ministering all night. He's casting out demons. And as a matter of fact, he's going to endure a demonic-induced storm on the Sea of Galilee so he can set free a couple of men living in the tombs and in the caves. You understand that? Now, let me remind you, because I want to pull this out. Let me remind you what we talked about last week. In the context of our study, we discovered in Luke's gospel that Jesus was at church. Okay, it's the synagogue, but for, for the sake of our study, we'll call it church. But then it's the synagogue. Yes, it was a synagogue. And he's in church, and an evil spirit cried out. I don't know what it said. I don't know what happened, but I know an evil spirit cried out in the middle of service. Could you imagine? If that happened here, I'd go, Soph, where are you? Get him. <laughs> I don't walk him out. But Jesus, look what he does. Look at verse, uh, or you can look on the screen. It's going to be up there. Luke 44, 33, we talked about last week. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. We, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? This is going on in church. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Look at Jesus, verse 35. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. So this dude is just... And he's like, I'm okay. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Guys, this is going on in church. Could you imagine if you were there? Well, honey, how was church today? What did you see? Well, Jesus was there. Oh, And this dude was crying like weird, and, and, and Jesus just rebuked him. He fell down, got up, and then we all went to lunch. It was great. Because right after this, he goes to lunch. He goes to lunch, guys, um, over at Simon Peter's house. Okay? Now, again, what does he find? So he's walking with Pete. Hey, Pete, let's go eat. Yeah, 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 no worry. My wife is home. Well, she didn't come to church? No, she's home making lunch. Okay, well. And he walks in and he finds, who does he find? He finds his mother-in-law sick with the fever. And you know what happens? Peter, Jesus takes Peter aside and says, hey, bro, your, your mother-in-law said, how do you want to handle this? Yeah, she gets it. 
No, he didn't do that to Peter, right? How do you want, what do you want me to do, Lord? <laughs> well, you know, she's just, my mother-in-law's just been really a pain and just, um, let's go out to eat. <laughs> no, that's not Jesus. Here's what the Bible says, guys. He says that he rebukes the fever like you would rebuke a bean. And here's what we learned. If, you, if you're an underliner there, and go back a little bit, it says, it says he rebuked the fever. And the underline and the, and the language there is very, very important. Why? Because Jesus never rebuked or a sickness. He never rebuked a sickness. He always spoke to it. Do you guys remember the centurion servant? He said, be healed. And it was done. That's all Jesus had to say. Do you understand the power of God? And that's all he had to say. But he walks in, he sees Peter's mother-in-law, and he goes, and he rebukes the fever. You go, wow. Why? Because we believe in the text that this was a demonically induced fever. Okay? We believe it was demonically induced. Now, in the context, he ministered to those who were sick and demon-possessed the rest of the day. So everybody remember context. Okay, let me just say this again for you. In Bible study, you can't take a verse out of context. You have to have the 2020 rule. Do you know what the 2020 rule is? Anytime you have a verse, you read 20 verses before it and 20 verses after it, so you get the context. That's important. So contextually, we're dealing with demons. We really are. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that when evening came, look at verse uh, 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with the word, and he healed the sick. So again, think about this, guys. Think about this. That evening, Jesus spent the majority, right after lunch, he spent the majority of, of all of the day healing and casting out and healing and ministering and casting out and healing and ministering. You guys understand that? Okay, here's what I want you to see. I want you to lock it in your head. Jesus had plenty to do probably for the next week. There were that many people come. Can you imagine? Be, you be his disciples. Jesus is ministering and you're trying to help Jesus. And what are you going to do? You're just like, Jesus, what can I do? Can I get you some water? I don't know. And the line of people is, you can't see it. Oh, here's a, here's a seat, Jesus. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you understand that. He was, he was busy. He was, uh, let's look, look, notice what it says. When the evening, he had come. Now, last week, Jesus was in a boat, guys, and he was going to the other side of the lake. Now, here's what you need to know. Wherever Jesus was to where he's going is seven miles, okay? For us, if we get in a car and we go seven miles, it's probably going to be about 20, 25 minutes. But when you're paddling in a boat, with a bunch of guys, it's going to take a little bit longer. You understand that? 
So seven miles across the Sea of Galilee, and I know, I know Marie can see it exactly where we're going. I know we've been there, Nathalie, and uh, who else has been to Israel? Anybody else has been to Israel? Israel, so you, you, this is that area. So across, there you go, okay? And all of a sudden, there's Jesus, and, and the Bible says, guys, that a, that a storm arose on the lake. Now, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. That happens a lot. The way the mountains are shaped, it comes down. But this was, we believe, a demonic-induced um, storm. Why? Because contextually, we're still dealing with demons. Okay? We, we had them in the synagogue. We had, them, we had the, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And then all afternoon, he's dealing with that. So now he gets on the boat. And I don't know if these demons that were cast out were going, well, we need to stop him. Why do we need to stop him? Because he's going for, for a couple of hours. We need to stop him. Okay, what do we do? I don't know. I don't, I'm just giving you, I'm trying to paint a picture. But what you need to know and what you need to take away is that's how important you are to my Jesus. You are. Listen, this church is all about lifting the name of Jesus. You understand that. So we're not egocentric. But you need to know your identity in Christ and what Jesus would be willing to do to save you. You need to know. You need to know. And I'm going to point it out just even deeper. So this demonic-induced storm, guess what happens? The disciples are freaking out. And my Jesus is sleeping. Doesn't that sound like us? Even today, in the midst of what God has done your entire life and how he saved you, I still be freaking out. I still be freaking out. Why? I want to draw close to the Lord, but sometimes I doubt. Why do I doubt? Why do you doubt? I'll tell you why. We... Believe God will be good to us if we are serving him. I know he'll do it for us. I just don't know if he'll do it for me because I haven't been a good little boy or girl. You understand the the thinking of that. That's how we are. That's how we are. But because God is good. And it's not about us and, and, and our behavior and what we do. He says, I'll do it for you if it glorifies my father. Okay, so, so, so that's what's going on. Now, notice what it says. I want to I make sure so you know that I'm not telling you a lie. It says, when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him, and a great tempest arose on the sea, and the boat was covered, notice, with the waves. But he was asleep. He was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and <laughs> awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, right? We're perishing. Isn't that a great prayer? That's a great prayer. Sometimes we think we have to be so theological when we pray. Oh, let us pray. Thou hast God in heaven. Greatest. I mean, we think that, and these guys are like, we're going to die. We're going to die. God, wake up. Now, listen, listen. You're in a boat. You got, you got waves six to ten feet high. Let me ask you a question. What is Jesus going to do? 
if he's just another man? Why would you wake him up? Unless he's God. You see the, you see the belief. They're like, wow. But, but the problem is, guys, is that even, even when Jesus wakes up, he's like, what's up, fellas? I look, we're all going to die. He's like, Pfft. and he, he rebukes the storm. And it goes calm. You know what? The disciples, they went, and I'm thinking, why did you wake him up if you didn't expect this? Well, I mean, seriously, why did you wake him up? Like, if Jesus wasn't God, and you woke him up, he'd have been like, what do you want me to do, row? Okay, let's go, everybody together, right? Let's get in Canaan. They knew, they knew something, and that's the thing. Every one of us knows there is a God. But not everybody knows God. And that's our goal, church. Our goal is to bring them into the family. Everybody knows a lot about God, but not a lot of them know God. And, and so they're like, oh, wow, wow. So what happens? Row, row, row your boat, right? They go across the lake. The very next day, guys, in our text, we see Jesus, and he's going to... Uh, continue to expose the demonic realm, okay? The Bible says that he is literally going to cast at least 2,000 demons into swine. That's the text. Now, here's what I want you to know. Let me backtrack for a minute. If you're taking note, here's what we have learned so far, okay? We've learned over the past few weeks that Jesus exposes the demonic realm. We have to be aware that there is a demonic realm, Now, our country was founded on the word of God, but if you go to other countries, you can see them manifested, I promise. Very demonic. But we were taught to recognize, oh, that's demonic. Okay, that's demonic. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Like what? We understand that germs make us sick, right? We get that. Okay, and I'm being silly, but none of us are going around and licking doorknobs. You understand that, okay? Why? Because we understand germs make us sick. But there are times in our walks as we desire to draw closer to Jesus, as we say, I'm going to be a disciple, there's demonically influenced sicknesses that happen. Whether you get sick, you got a back pain, whatever it might be, there are times when it's like, oh, And what I found is it normally happens either Sunday morning or Wednesday night when we're about to. Let me ask you a question. When you are stoked on Jesus and you're ready for Bible study, does not Wednesday seem everything breaks? You're like, I'm so excited Bible study tonight. Yes, I get to go to church. This is amazing. And all of a sudden it's like, bro, when did your water heater break? Sunday morning. Now, I'm not saying there's a demon of water heaters, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that my brother Alex rebuked them. But I am saying they could be to keep us away from the body of Christ. You understand that? Pastor Ben, are you saying that COVID is from the devil? I'm saying that he could use it to keep people out of church. I'm saying he could. Because 
We are created to be with each other. We just are. Not me, Pastor. I'm the biggest introvert there is. I just don't want... No, 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 you're not. We're built for relationships. We really are. We're built for, we're built for hugs. That's how God made us. He made us that way. And so, and so amazing, guys, he, he, we see that. So you can understand, we've learned, we've recognized. Oh, oh, now, so how should we respond with that, with a righteous anger? No, I'm going to church. Now, listen, if you're sick, right, and you got snot running down here, and you got a fever, and you got pink eye, and, you, and, and your back hurts, don't come to church. You understand that? was the devil. No, you're sick. Stay home. But there are times when you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, something's not right. This is the devil. This is the demon. He's trying to keep me. And then you come, and the moment you come, whew, Oh, that went away. Huh. That went away. Hmm. We have to do that. Let me just say this to you, okay? Jot this down in your notes. The times you don't want to come to church is the times you need to be here. That's the time you get your greatest blessing. I don't feel like today. You know, my toe hurts. But when you come, you go, wow. I'm so glad I was there. I was so... And it... Okay, listen, it may not even be from the teaching. You understand that. It may be from a brother that comes up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? I love you. Or a sister. Or somebody who spoke life into you. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to speak life into each other. That's the body of Christ. And so again, think about it. That's what we, that's what we learn. Now, the second thing we learn is this. We as believers... Under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit, you ready? Have the same authority that Jesus had when it comes to the demonic realm. You got that? You go, what? Now, now listen. We, in and of ourselves, cannot rebuke demons. In and of ourselves, you know, you, I, I rebuke that. I bind Satan. In and of ourselves, we can't do that. But under the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, there are times in our lives when we can actually do that. Rebuke the enemy. Rebuke the enemy from our families, from our lives, from our, from our heart, from our minds. You understand that. But I think a very, very, very good passage is not so much me speaking that, but the way um, Jude writes. In Jude chapter 1, verse 9, he says... Yet the Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring a, what, against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. I think that's important. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, what's in my life, I would say the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. We learned that. You have the power. You have the power. Jude also goes on to say, and this might be for somebody here, we don't fall into sin. We don't just fall into sin. We run. We march. This is us. It's our choice. Oh, what happened? I just fell into sin. No. you, you per- so, so again, I was rebuking, I was rebuking the devil. No, you, you have to make that choice. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I have the power. 
What's the greatest thing that would help us rebuke the devil and not fall into sin? The love of Jesus. Guys, the more you just love God, it's going to keep you from that sin. That the third thing, the third thing today, and this is our focus today, okay? That I want to remind you that Jesus came for the one. He came for the one. Remember, he had plenty of ministry to do in Capernaum. Plenty of ministry. It would have taken him days upon days. Okay? He traveled all night, all night, seven miles, on a demon-induced storm that would have drowned anyone. And according to Mark's gospel, to set the man free. Mark focuses on one man. Matthew is going to give us two men. Okay? Now, oh, right there, Pastor Ben, there's a contradiction in the Bible. See? Matthew says two. It's just how we see it differently. Okay. Ready? Pop quiz. Pop quiz. Ready? Was Mark a disciple? No. Mark was not a disciple. Of the twelve. So Mark is going to get his information from Peter, who's probably focusing on the one man. I don't know what happened to the second man. Maybe he left. Maybe he's like, I'm out. Whatever. I don't know. But if Alex and I pulled up at the same time on a, on a scene, on an accident, he's going to have a different account. He may be focused on, I'm like focused on the cops. And the cops were there. And I watch out. And this guy pulled out his gun. But where he might be focused on the actual scene of the of the accident. Oh, did you see that person? And I don't know if you noticed there was a whatever. You, you understand how, how the Gospels are written. So they're not contradicting each other, but but what I want to focus on after we get through with Matthew is how God loves you so much that he would do whatever it takes to save you. That's where we pick up our story, okay? An extreme maker over is on the way. You ready? Verse 28. And when he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there he met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Notice the word. It's not our time. What does it say? The time. Why is that important? Because here's what I want you to see. You need some encouragement in your life. Underline that phrase. When he came to the other side. Why is that important, Pastor Ben? Why, why, why? Because in verse 18, Jesus told the, the disciples, hey, guys, let's go. Let's get on the boat and go to the other side. What the disciples didn't know is there was going to be a fierce demonic tempest on the sea. They didn't know that. See, we have the book to read. They didn't. That's like me saying, hey, Amanda, let's go over here. Hey, Amanda and Josh, let's go over here. And Amanda's like, okay, great. And the next thing you know, we're in a tornado. He's like, I, why did you put us? They didn't know. But Jesus knew. You go, what do you happen? But here's the point. The point is, is that in, when it comes to verse 28, they made it to the other side, which means this. Knowing no matter what the enemy throws at us, church, 
as long as you're with Jesus, you're going to make it to the other side. There might be storms in your life, guys. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna down. There might be tempests. There might be. There might be all kinds of stuff. But you're still going to make it to the other side. You know how much God loves us. Do you know? Seriously. He brought a young couple to this church that had no idea about Christianity. One Sunday afternoon, we sat right where Joe and Beverly were, and I ministered to them, and I led them to Christ. They prayed the prayer. They walked out of here, tears, and it was amazing, and I wanted them to come to church, but they, they just... And three months later, he was in the presence of the Lord. He died. I didn't know that, but God did. God did, and he loves you so much, he's willing to endure Think about it. You see, the Bible says that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Guys, that's... that's. Oh. So where'd they go? They went over to the place where the Gadarenes are. Some, some of your translations will say Gadarenes. Now, these folks lived on the east side of the shore of Galilee. Now, we've been there in Israel. It's amazing. Now, here's what I need you to know. Okay, A lot of people believe the Gadarenes come from the tribe of Gad. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but here's what we do know. It's a, it's a heavy populated Gentile area. So it's Gentile, but there could be some Jewish farmers. Well, why is that important? Because Jews shouldn't be raising swine. It was an abomination to them. They could not, they should not be Jewish pig farmers. You understand that? Okay? They're just not. So you go, well, Ben, what are they? I don't know. But but nonetheless, they're called the Gadarenes. What if they were? What if they were? The Bible doesn't say. All we know is that Matthew introduces us to two men. And these guys are so strong. They have supernatural strength. So much so that you would not pass by there. You just wouldn't. Uh, this was no... You know, I mean, hey, we, we, we got to get to, I'm not going to go there. Those dudes are nuts, man. They're crazy. I mean, we, they just wouldn't. So, so you can tell the whole town was a buzz with what? Hey, these, those, those, there's two, there's two demon possessed guys, man. Now, you understand that demons do scare us. I mean, there are plenty. I mean, you know, sometimes when you've run into a demon possessed person, you're just like, whoa, back up. You know you have the authority, but it still scares you. You're just like, wow. Wow. Matthew focuses on two guys. Mark focuses on one. Okay? Not sure where the other one ran, where Mark thought, but he's going to focus on one. Now, hold your finger here. Let's go to Mark real quick so you can just kind of see. Okay, same story, Mark's point of view, chapter 5, verse 2. If you're not there, you should be there anyway. It says, and when he had come out of the boat, okay, this is Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs. So guess where he's living? He's living in the graveyard. But this is not a graveyard that you would think. These, they used to bury people inside the mountain and then cover them. So there, that's where he lived, among the tombs. Okay, which is creepy. 
But it says that no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often bound with shackles and chains, and the chains he pulled apart, and the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. Could you imagine? I wonder who the guy was to, hey, you need to go bind him. Come here. He's like, watch this. You know, and he's like, okay, we're done. <laughs> we're good. But, but think about it. It says nobody could, wow. So Mark, guys, stay with me, focuses on the one man. And he lives in burial. I mean, I, I want you for just a second, put on your thinking caps, guys. What do you think this man, how did he get here? How did he get, how did he get here that he was demon-possessed? We know that demons cannot possess Christians. Can I get an amen? Because they, they can't kick out Jesus from living in his home. But if you're not a Christian, if you're an unbeliever, they can easily inhabit you if you open that door to them. Can I encourage you, and myself as well, be careful what you allow in your eye gate and your ear gate that doesn't open the door to demonic activity. You have to be careful. Because there are times when what you watch, what you allow, What do you think this guy, this man's background was? He's living in caves. He's, he's living among the dead. Now, we're going to come back to Mark in just a minute, okay? We're going to come back. I, I mean, but, but I mean, this guy was supernatural. He's busting chains up, right? He's, wow. But let's go back to Matthew because I want to finish that up, okay? Matthew uh, 8, 29. And suddenly... They cried out saying, what have we to do with you? Notice what they say. Jesus, you son of God, have you come here to, to torment us before the time? Now, here's what I want you to see. Two interesting things you've got to see here. Okay, underline it. Okay, number one, here's what you need to know. The demons believe that Jesus is the son of God. They believe. Okay, you know what I find interesting, guys? That some Christians don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. You go, what do you mean? I found an article, guys. I found an article dated April 2020. It says this. More than half the adults in the world don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And 30% of professing Christians do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow. Wow. Well, he was just a great person. He was a good teacher. He was a moral man. You're defeated right there. You lose the power of God in your life when you don't believe. The demons went, son of God. They knew him. They recognized him. You go, Ben, yeah, but see, here's my problem. Jesus isn't walking around today. So, I, I mean, I have to walk by faith. I have to trust but let me say this. You know how I know Jesus is alive? You know how I know that he is the son of God? You all. There's no way a hoax or a yeah, hoax could get us all to believe the same thing and have transformed lives. Some of us have the most sketchiest past. But you know how I know there's a God? 
Look at the life. Here's why. Here's why. Because you can sit here and argue with me all day long about the Bible theologically, can't you? Well, this and this and this. But you know what you can't argue? With a life that's been changed. With a life that has been brought up, messed up, broken. You can't argue with that. Well, what changed? Jesus. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that changed. I gave my life to Jesus and I began to walk in him. Isn't that amazing, guys? Isn't that amazing? You can't argue with that. What do they say? A leopard can't change his spots, but Jesus can change us. Jesus can change us. And is he not still changing you daily? Is he not still changing you daily? Daily, you guys, we're being more like him. Daily, there are things in the word of God that are bringing conviction and encouragement. And you're like, yeah, daily. Daily. Right here, the demons truly believe. 100% of them know he's God. The second thing we see I find very interesting, guys, here is the demons believe in a judgment day. Why? You said, did you come to torment us before the time? They know the time is coming. So they know there's a, and there is a judgment day for all of us. We studied this in our revelation study. Where are you going to end up? Don't end up at the great white throne judgment. It's better to be at the Bema seat and fall on the mercy of God. But there is a judgment. There is a judgment. Well, in Matthew 30, it goes on, guys, and it says, Now, a good way off, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly, notice, the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished into the water. If you go to Israel today, it's almost like a cliff. It's a cliff. Okay? Now, let's chat for just a moment. Okay? I've been to Israel three times, and literally, we've walked where this, where this place was. I mean, we have walked. You could walk up to I've taken pictures. And every time I'm there, I imagine for just a scene. Now, if you go there today, you realize that the Sea of Galilee is farther down. And I said, well, how did the pigs get from the cliff down into the... But you've got to understand, the sea has been receding for several, several hundred years. And so it's farther down than where it would have been. As a matter of fact, where we were standing would have been where the water was. You're like, okay, okay. So picture this, guys. Imagine with me. Jesus gets off the boat. It's just been a fierce storm. The disciples are probably, you know they're wet because the waves, I mean, they're not like, they're wet, they're cold. Jesus gets off and, and they're like, <sighs> and these two men come running to Jesus. Do you know what Mark tells us? Mark said they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. Which is always the case with demons. And I started to think about this. I said, these two demons, these two demonic men, if you will, come running and the first thing they do is... And I thought, what about us? What about us? And I thought, you know what? Here's what it is. Whenever we have an encounter with Jesus through his word, okay, whether we come to church and we're blessed or we have our quiet time or we get an answered prayer, 
Whatever the case, you know what a natural reaction is? To worship him. That's a natural reaction. That's what it should be. (gasps) Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you, drum roll please, worship God when your answer to your prayer is yes? Come on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just, mm-mm. what happened? God answered my prayer. It's so good. He said yes. He said yes. I'm so excited. How many of you worship the same way when he answers no? <laughs> the answer is no, but I want it. Well, the answer is no, but, but, but Lord, please, it's not good for you. That's an answer to prayer, is it not? We don't worship the same way, but we should. Where's the focus on that prayer? Help me, help me. Where's the focus? Me. When it's yes, God, can I just have that? Can I, whatever it is. He says, yes, my son. (gasps) God, can I have this job? No. No. Guys. I had a friend in the banking industry that got me an interview with a bank. And I thought, this is it. This is going to be my forever job. I'm going to get in with the bank. It's going to be great. Eight to five, Monday through Friday. Yeah. No, you're not hired, huh? Lord. Because God saw way in my future that I was going to end up here. It was just different. You understand that. But at the time, I was really bummed because the answer was no. And I went home and worshiped. No, I didn't. I complained and sulked. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know why I got off on that. Maybe that's somebody needs this. I don't know. Let's get back to our text. Whenever we encounter Jesus, guys, no matter what it might be, we should worship him. We should worship. And I think that's something we have to purpose to do, don't you? So when we come to church... Regardless of who's up on stage, we worship. Do you realize that even right now, as you take notes, as you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, you're worshiping. You're worshiping because you're having an encounter with Jesus. So, notice, the demon's asked to do something. What's that? Hey, if you're going to cast this out, can we go into the swine? Can we go into the swine? Why? Check this out, guys. Demon would rather inhabit anything than be disembodied. Okay? If you're going to kick us out, right, of this guy, please don't send us to our judgment. Let us go into the swine. Let us go into the swine. Very, very important because Jesus said, if you're going to pray to cast a demon out, you need to give him the gospel right away because the Bible says that if you don't, the demon goes out, and then he says, oh, I'm going to go back. And he brings seven more evil than him to inhabit. So people are like, let's cast that demon out. Let's, let's exercise the demon. Make sure you give him the gospel. Hey, Jesus needs to fill that spot. Jesus needs to fill that spot. You go, Pastor, can I give you this point? Can I give you the point? Okay. Notice what the Bible says. Verse 32. And he said to them, go. Go. Here's what I want you to see. Really quick point, okay? Um, Notice that Jesus doesn't dialogue much with the demons. 
One word. Go. My classic Jesus. And here's the point. Guys, you and I, we don't need to have conversation with demons. I've heard too many sermons. I've heard too many sermons, guys, where the focus is on demons and devils and not enough about Jesus. Well, let me tell you, the demon was the devil was in my room the other day. And it's like, don't talk about that. I don't, you know, and I, and I was having a conversation with him. I said, get out. And Jesus said, go. And I want to follow the example of Jesus. I don't want the sermons to be about demons, but the context is Jesus. We need, to be, we need to know about the demonic realm. We need to be taught, but we don't need to dwell there. And so what happens, guys? Well, think about this. Mark says that at least 2,000 went into these pigs. So that meant there was about 2,000 pigs. That had to be a huge pig farm. Okay? You guys with me? Say amen if you're there. And Mark mentions that they, they jump off a cliff. Okay? Here's what I want you to think. Okay, put your thinking caps on. Everybody got them out? 2,000 pigs jump off a cliff into the water and die. Guess what you have? You have pigs floating and bloating. How that must have stunk. You, you, you smell it? You smell it? It doesn't smell like bacon, okay? It smells horrible. Pastor, why would you bring that up? Okay, well, let me give you a couple of points and we'll move on. Number one, this is the first time in Scripture we see pigs fly. Okay, just kidding. Just seeing if you're awake. Okay? I'll do that when pigs fly. Mark chapter 5. It's a joke. <laughs> Where's my drummer? Now, there were, what we really learned is there probably was some, some pig farms there in Israel. And it would have been offense to the Jewish people. Okay? What if this was a Jewish pig farmer? That was, right? Well, let me give you this point. If it was a Jewish pig farmer and the Jewish people are, are it's an abomination to have swine, let me tell you what Paul tells us in that situation, okay? He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Do you understand that? You understand that? All things are lawful, but not all things edify. So even if they go, hey, we're under grace to raise these pigs, it doesn't edify. It doesn't edify. Sometimes, listen to me, ready, jot this down. Sometimes we can dance so close to the world that we find ourselves desensitized to the world. We can dance so close that we end up being pig farmers and not even knowing about it. Let me put it this way. The very thing we're called not to do as believers, we end up doing. Let me give you, let me give you number two. I want you to think about the smell, okay? Think about the smell. Everybody this. Oh, it stinks. Why? 2000, at least 2,000 pigs are floating and bloating, and it's disgusting, right? And you know in the region it would smell. You know that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of the most disgusting thing you've ever smelled in your life. Everybody's going, yeah, I remember. I remember. Smells are very powerful, aren't they? They're very powerful. Now, here's what I'm thinking, Okay. 
this smell in that region would have been a very powerful trigger or reminder of both the sin and the sinner. You go, whoa, 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 what are you thinking about? Well, here's what I'm thinking. The people came to Jesus and said, you killed our pigs. You need to go. You need to go. We lost money. Our, the the city is going to be in an economic ruin. Are you kidding me? You got to go, Jesus. You got to go. This is unacceptable. All day long, guess what they're doing? They're smelling the pigs in the sea and they're going, ah, that Jesus. That Jesus. Ah. Oh, mom, what's that? That's the smell of, of our of our of our economic system going down there. I was going to buy you new Nikes, but I can't. Look look at the smell. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Look, look. And, and all day they would smell. And what would it be? It would be a reminder of the money loss, the economic disaster, and the self-centeredness. That smell. That smell. But to the two men who got saved, do you smell that? I do. It smells horrible, but it's so beautiful. Why? Because that's the day Jesus came and saved me. <laughs> that's, that's the day Jesus came across the Sea of Galilee and saved me. <sighs> it smells horrible. I know. Isn't it great? Do you understand? Do you understand? Why do you say? Because, guys, think about this. Think about this. To the believer, there should be a stench of our sin that we go, oh, oh. And we do. I hate when I do that. Oh, I can smell that sin, that self-centeredness. Oh. But then we go, but you know what I also smell? I smell the love of Jesus when he set me free. When he busted through what nobody else could do. Notice the reaction. 33 to 34. Then those who kept them fled, and they went into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Notice, and behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, what happens, guys? They begged him to depart from their region. This makes me sad. Why? Because these guys were not about people. These guys were about themselves. The whole town's the whole town's a buzz. Okay, the whole town's talking. Did you see what happened? These guys were like, and they run out to Jesus and they go, "Could you please leave? Could you could you please leave?" That makes me sad. It, it, it makes me sad. And you know what's even sadder? If you look at verse 1 of chapter 9, notice what it says. So he got into the boat and he crossed over. Wait a minute. What happened? Jesus did what they asked. Jesus did what they asked. Why? Guys, because he will never force himself on us. And let me say this. Love is not love if it's forced. It has to be a choice. And God is never going to come down and say, you need to do what I say. You have to have a choice. Lord, I love you. I'm going, to, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. 
Now, that's the account. They focus on the pigs. They focus on the men and the people asking Jesus to leave. But look at Mark's account, guys. We're going we're gonna to wind things down here, I promise. And uh, we're just going to see. We're going to pick it up in verse 6 of Mark's account. Okay? Let's focus on the man just a little bit. And when Jesus, and when this guy, Mark says, saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Notice verse 9. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he also begged him to earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. So the demons are legion. A legion in the Roman army was at least 6,000. So we don't know if there were six, we don't know if there were 3,000 in one guy, 3,000 in the other, but that's a lot of demons inside. That's a lot. It's really hard to hear the voice of God when you have these demons inside you. But these demons come and they worship him and they ask him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion for we're many. And these demons say, don't kick us out of the region. We like it up here. But the men come in and said, could you leave our region? Jesus. And now we get to the stream makeover. Look at verse 15. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had legion sitting. What's he doing? He's clothed. He's in his right mind. And they were afraid. When he cast them out, guys, listen, let me say this. First and foremost, Jesus had enough to do in Capernaum. He crossed the sea for you. You were the one. You were the one. Do not let the enemy tell you that you are worthless because you're not. He went to great lengths to save you. That's how much he loves you. And he loves us enough to accept us just the way we are. But he loves us even more not to keep us that way. So there he is. They come and they're like, there's this dude. He's like, hey, what's up? Weren't, weren't you the, yeah. Yeah. How many times do you think this dude wanted to change himself? He could not. I need to change. I got to be better. I got to try harder. It can't happen, guys. The only change comes from Jesus. That's, that, that's what we're here for. He, I'm just going, wow. And those who saw, Mark says, and those who saw it told them how it happened at him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they pleaded with Jesus to depart from the region. And when he got into a boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Isn't that cool? So the dude gets saved. I don't know where the other one is, but the dude gets saved, and he's like, are you serious? Jesus, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Now, he's already told the story. What's the story? It's our story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
I once was blind, but now I see. And what does he want to do? It's the same thing you and I should do. I want to go with Jesus. I want to go with Jesus. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, um, no, he says, it's, it's, let's do this. He says, go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And he marveled. Guess what he says? He says, no, 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 you're going to follow me, but I want you to go and be a witness for me over here. Let me ask you a question. The demon-possessed man, was he a seminary graduate? Did he know all about theology? Right? Was he a Harvard, you know, I mean, no, he wasn't. You know what his story was? I once was lost. You don't understand. I was, I was tormented. Well, tell me the story. I was tormented. I, I was living in tombs. I was living in graveyards. I would cut myself, the Bible says. I would cut myself and I had no control. Anybody know what that is? We have a lot of that in our, in our world today. I cut myself because I need to feel something. And one night, I saw this amazing storm on the Sea of Galilee, and I was watching. And then I saw a boat come out of that. And in the midst, there was, it was him. And all he said was, go. And I was like, I was in my right mind. And I invited Jesus in my heart, and I'm saved. And I've got to tell you this. That's all he said. That's all he said. He just shared his story. We don't have to be great theologians. All we have to do is share our story. Just share your story to your friends and your neighbors. As we close, let me say this to you. If you get nothing else out of this teaching, you need to understand that you are loved. You're loved by God. He has a plan for your life. And you have... Demons and demonic activity and voices that are trying to keep you from all that God has for you. But all you have to do is open up your heart and say yes to him. You have to believe. Well, Ben, I believe in a, I believe in a deity. I believe in a God. I believe in a spirit. I believe in a higher power. No, no, no. The word believe is mean, it means where you put your faith and trust in a person the person of Jesus Christ. It means that this is the pool and he's asking you to get in the pool of belief. He's not just saying, hey, I know a lot about God. He's saying, get in the pool. He's not asking any of these guys to be great theologians. He's not saying, hey, Mr. Demon-possessed guy, uh, go be a pastor. All he's saying is what? Just go tell people what, what great things God has done. That's all he's saying. That's all he's saying. Jesus, I want to go with you. Of course. This is a beautiful picture. When we get saved, how cool would it be? If it was like, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Boom, we're in heaven. That was it. But he leaves us here. What happened? I got saved. What do I do now? I don't know. We'll go tell somebody. Okay. And then he begins to use us. He uses us at our work. He uses us in our family. He uses us. He uses us. That's the craziest thing. He uses us. And the kingdom is built. Amen.
Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, God. We thank you that you came to save the one, the two, the many. We thank you that you were busy doing ministry and you saw somebody that needed you. And you, you went across for that one. Lord, I am that one. I am that one. You saved me. And so now I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, could we have just a moment of honesty? Maybe the Lord Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, was speaking to you through the teaching. And you said, I am the one. But you've never surrendered your life to him. You've dabbled, you've researched, you've heard other Christians talk about Jesus, but you've never given your life to him, not 100%. And through the teaching today, you're going, that's what I need. That's what I need. And it's not anything I said. It's the spirit of God moving in your heart. But listen to me. I want to give you an opportunity to join the family of God today. Because we love you and he loves you so much. All you have to do is say yes to him. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? Well, as you're sitting there with every eye closed and every head bowed, all I'm going to ask you to do is lift up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to acknowledge you and say, yes, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I'm going to say yes to that and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And words alone aren't sufficient to save, but these It's just something where you're going to take a step and say, yes, I want the Lord Jesus to come into my life. I believe in him and I want him. I need him tonight, this morning. So if God has been moving in your heart this morning and you're ready for an amazing and hard walk with God, because it's not easy. Christianity is not easy. By the power of the Holy Spirit, would you would you say, Pastor, that's me. You were talking about me. Now, I know how you're feeling. I get it. I was in those chairs before. And you actually feel like you're a million miles away from God. But let me say this. You may feel that way, but you're only one decision from coming to him. One decision right now. That decision is going to change your life. Well, what do I have to do? Just lift up your hand. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to God today. Would you do that right now? If God is moving in your heart, if God has been speaking to you, not me, but the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you an opportunity. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want Jesus. I want him all in my life. Would you do that right now? I'm just going to give you a moment. Maybe you're watching online and you're you're saying this. Would you just lift up your hand? I can't see you, but God can. And he wants to do a great work in you, but you've got to give him him that time. You've got to say yes. You've got to make that decision. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that we're all saved. And I know you're still working on hearts, and I know you're going to continue to do that. Would you please bring in all of your sheep that you want in heaven? You left everything 
to minister to the one. And I know there's one here. So open up your heart. Open up our hearts, God. We invite you inside. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.